Hi, I'm Bob Cusack with The Hill, back with Mark Penn. As we always do, Mark, uh, let's talk about your new polling data. And you always have one word that summarizes the direction of the polling. This month, what is it? The word this month, obviously, is Israel. It is the, the big development. It is most of this poll. I think we've got the most in-depth information on Israel uh, that's been polled to date. Uh, and it is the, the new issue that has burst out here on both the international scene and here in this country. Yeah, and the data, and let's start with that, uh, on the, the conflict between Israel and Hamas, 86% do think uh, it was a terrorist attack. Um, but what were your takeaways? Uh, there's some interesting generational divides on, on this issue. Well, first, it was interesting to see that President Biden has a 58% approval on the issue of Israel. He has not achieved a 58% approval on any issue to date uh, in a long, long time. And uh, so there is a chance for some significant recovery here by the president, depending upon how this goes. As you know, wars start out and end quite differently. There's very strong support for Israel in the country. That support in the various questions maybe ranges from a low of like 65 to a high of 86 depending upon, you know, what the question is and, and what the circumstances are. Uh, and unlike most issues, in fact, almost every other issue that we look at is really seen through a partisan lens. This issue is seen through a generational lens. I mean, it's totally fascinating to see people over 65 support Israel generally 90 plus percent. People who are in 18 to 24 or below up to 34, which really seems to be the cutoff, they are much more divided. Maybe there's about a third of that group and maybe even a little more in the 18 to 24. It really is on the side of Hamas. You can understand why there are college demonstrations, uh, because there are critical masses of people, not majorities, I would add, but critical masses of people among younger people, large numbers of, of, uh, of blacks as well. Uh, who who support Hamas. And there's a lot of misinformation, as we see as we go through the poll. But but the headline here is very, very strong support for Israel, very, very strong support uh, here for even stepped-up military action, uh, a belief that Israel has the right to retaliate uh, and to rein Hamas in. Uh, these, are, these are numbers about as high as you get. Uh, we haven't really seen an issue with this much consensus in a long time. That's not to say that there aren't young people, demonstrators uh, and activists uh, who feel quite different. And and this has been compared to 9-11. This is Israel's 9-11, a lot of people say, and there's some concern and, and President Biden has expressed it as well that uh, that Israel should learn uh, from the US and, and basically in its response, which most people do agree that they have the right uh, to respond militarily as they are doing, but not to go too far. Is there, is there, you've been around a, a while, Mark, uh, is, is there a concern that this number could dip as Israel retaliates? Uh, I think you, we've been through this kind of, uh, it's very interesting because every Israeli spokesman say, we're going to have support today, but it's all going to disappear tomorrow. Look, I think the hospital attack showed how support could quickly disappear, right? Uh, had that been a genuine attack by Israel, I think a lot of support might have disappeared. 
and it might have muddied the situation, but it mm-hmm. turned out that it, that it wasn't. And uh, uh, and so I think actually here, I think the Hamas actions were so horrific uh, in nature that they have wound up, I think, giving Israel uh, more room to retaliate. And remember, there are 200 hostages as well. And, and the hostage card here says, I mean, you know, as far as I know, when people hold hostages, including a, a significant number of Americans among those hostages, which the president did not feature in his speech, uh, I think there's <clears throat> potential for a very strong continued support here for Israel, maybe more so than we've seen in the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and you know, his uh, President Biden's speech on the conflict uh, has gotten good reviews from uh, Republicans and Democrats. But it was interesting that that he's not President Biden is not talking about the hostages. That's not that's not accidental. Uh, so you, you think maybe behind the scenes, there's a lot of stuff going on that we don't know about. Look, I thought it was a good speech. I thought his speech in Israel was better and more moving. So I was intrigued by what the political dynamic was in which he was very careful to balance Islamophobia with anti-Semitism. Uh, in this speech, he was a little, he was less graphic about what Hamas did in this speech. Uh, he was fully supportive of Israel. He, he was, he was fully supportive of Ukraine. He tied those two together. The two things he, you know, he called out Iran, but he didn't threaten Iran. He didn't tell Iran, if you're responsible for these hostages. He generally stepped up his game against Iran a little bit, but didn't, didn't go overboard, has kept the language at a at a at a very low uh, cool level, presumably because they they still believe they can negotiate something in the background. And most interestingly, he did not do much about the hostages, which to me says that they have some internal theory that the more they talk about the hostages, the more Hamas then uh, has an upper hand. So there's either a theory that there's a bunch of negotiations going on, so they don't talk about it, or there's a theory that you're just giving the, quote, kidnappers fame by emphasizing the hostages. Because clearly in the past, you could have seen a president got, got, gone on and shown the pictures of the killed Americans, the pictures of the hostages could really have inflamed the American public over this issue. That's not what was done. It was a speech really about the overall morality of what America has to do in the world to be a leader. Well, let's talk about the president. I mean, you look at there's some good news here for the president, and uh, but you look at it, you know, more and more, and it's not so great. He his numbers are up a little bit, perhaps because of uh, the events in Israel and how he's handled that. But still, the numbers are not good. Uh, most uh, two thirds thinking the economy is is on the wrong track. And listen, I mean, he's losing to Trump right now, and we're seeing that in in state specific uh, data and polls right now. Where is he and where does he need to go? And, and talk about the effect of RFK Jr. Uh, in this race, who has great approval ratings. I think the president's done better on here foreign affairs and Israel than people expected. But it's not reflected yet in the polling because most Americans are focused like a laser on their own situation. Uh, they care about inflation, immigration, you know, care about you know, national security and terrorism, crime. Uh, and, and I think that they're continue to focus more and more on those everyday problems. And the overall structure of public opinion has remained the same in which Biden's 
uh, job approval went up to 44, which is a point or two better than he's been doing. But Trump in the head-to-heads beats Biden. Trump continues to be miraculously strong in both the Republican primary and the general election. Robert, Robert Kennedy here could come in and seems to take a little bit more from the Democrats, but Trump's winning anyway today. So we don't right. know how Robert F. Kennedy will wind up. There are a lot of voters in both parties unhappy with this choice. About half of each party says they would defect for a moderate independent, not 60% of Democrats and 20% of Republicans, about half. There's a lot of Republicans who, who are, are, you know, think Trump's going to win and they've got no other choice and they like Trump over Biden, but they don't love Trump either. Mm-hmm. Looking at the numbers, I mean, those uh, another thing I want to mention, 72 percent of independents in your polling don't want Biden to run. And obviously, uh, independence was was key uh, for Biden winning uh, his first term. And they're going to be key to winning a second term. And those numbers are not good. Looking at the numbers. And of course, Trump hasn't debated uh, we're, we're getting certainly close to, to Iowa, uh, just uh, three months away, less than that now. Um, what do you think? Can anyone make a run? Uh, you know, DeSantis' numbers are not good, but he hasn't completely cratered. Haley, uh, numbers are good, uh, but compared to Trump, they're not good. I think realistically, this race is between Trump, DeSantis, and Nikki Haley. I think Vivek had a kind of burst of interest and stalled out. I think the others have not gotten off the ground. You know, look, I'm not, you know, as into the fully the Republican primary voter mind, but nobody's touched Trump. Nobody's even tried to touch Trump in any realistic way. Trump right away destroyed DeSantis, and he made the mistake of just letting millions and millions of negative uh, TV, you know, bash against him. He's, I don't see, you know, so, but I still think that that momentum and results in these primaries take on a life of their own that is dramatic, it is fast. You can get 15% and come in second and be declared the winner of a primary, depending upon how the media views yes. it, right? And, and we know Clinton was famous for declaring victory in New Hampshire. And so, so there's still an arc here where Haley or DeSantis come out really strong in New Hampshire in particular, or independent voters. The, the, you know, in the poll, Trump's got about 60% of Republicans, but 23 states have independents. And he, he goes down below 50 if you include independent voters. Uh, and so those independent voters flood the polls. You, you know, compared to conservative Iowa, you could have an upset in New Hampshire or a change in New Hampshire. And that would light a fire under him. And suddenly the guy who doesn't debate better show up uh, <clears throat> and change the whole dynamic. So so let's not, you know, pol- these political races take on a life of their own. I don't want to declare them over. They're over. But, you know, if you're sitting there over in Trump land, spending all your time in courtrooms, you're looking at these poll numbers and you're definitely comforted. Now, that's a great point. I mean, as you know, uh, Mark. Uh, politics is all about expectations and the expectation based upon your numbers and other numbers is that Trump is going to dominate and the media always wants a race. And, you know, John McCain finished fourth in Iowa. He was never expected to do well. uh, And that was viewed as kind of the beginning of his comeback and uh, that he didn't finish worse than fourth. And and sure enough, he did come back and and he he won the nomination that year. 
you know, let's talk about the speaker race. Uh, this is another big issue. And as of right now, uh, we still don't have a speaker. <laughs> um, we don't know how long it, it's going to last. We don't know if Jim Jordan's going to, who has failed three times now, if he's going to drop out. Um, congressional approval, uh, surprisingly, uh, not surprisingly, I mean, is down. Uh, and it's not never great to begin with. This is, but the interesting data that you have is that uh, I believe 65% think the McCarthy ouster hurt the Republican Party. How bad is this for the GOP? I think this is pretty devastating for the GOP. They, 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 it's like, why not take all your advantages and just hold a bonfire and blow them up? Matt Gates is probably one of the least <laughs> liked people in the country. 60, I think 62% of Republicans say that the ouster hurt the Republican Party. Uh, we see here that now people would prefer Democrats running Congress, right, over Republicans, even as the Republicans have like large leads in some of these other polls on issues like the economy. So uh, uh, this is about, uh, you know, I always say it's only Trump who, you know, it's always Trump against Trump. At this point, it's now the Republicans against the Republicans. The Democrats are sitting there laughing and smiling. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and that's why covering politics is so much fun, because, you know, Democrats are saying, well, let's run the House in a bipartisan way. They knew that was never going to happen. You know, you don't run the House in a bipartisan way. It's just not the maybe the, it would be a good uh, thing to do, but it's just not the way things are done. And of course, conservatives balked at at that. And you're right. I mean, you look at look at all the polling advantages where Biden's numbers are not good. His numbers on the economy are not good. Um, but I do want to ask you, because, you know, you have the, the House and Senate and the White House all up for grabs in 2024, even though this is a House Republican problem. And we talked to Senate Republicans who are just rolling their eyes again and again. I mean, doesn't this also impact the, the Senate's uh, attempt to, to the Republicans attempt to win back the Senate? Trump plus a fractured Republican Party. It's our it's a recipe for even Joe Biden to come in here and possibly win. I mean, the, you know, even the numbers are against him and he's got a low job rating and people think he's too old. Uh, I, I mean, the, the fact that the party has managed to get themselves into a Trump cycle, they don't seem to be able to get out of. And a, a right wing, I mean, I think it's, look, it's fascinating that, that McCarthy was on the verge of winning for the Republicans an outright majority. The idea that the Republican speaker you know, put the needs of the country above partisanship, that was going to play incredibly well for the Republicans. Now you have the right wing dominating, trying to put in the most right wing choice for Speaker Jim, Jim Jordan. That's just going to destroy them. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's why uh, a lot of the so-called squishes, meaning the, the moderate Republicans, uh, won. Uh, and they have beaten him back now three times. And he's getting he's getting fewer votes uh, at each vote, and that's why uh, he's not going to be the speaker. I can't can't tell you who's going to be the next speaker. There have been a lot of you know proposals and speculation. Maybe they should they should go outside the house, or maybe a former house member Lee Zeldin or, or others. Stefanik, at least Stefanik, maybe uh, an option. But she wants she's in the VP running, and maybe this is not the best move for her. Um, how do you think this is is going to play out? I mean, it's so hard to predict. Or is it just you know, all bets are off here. Well, and, and I don't know why Scalise took him out, took himself out so quickly, right? I mean, he should have yeah. said I was the legitimate winner of the caucus, 
and I expect the party to, to vote for me and, and just, you know, stuck at that because, you know, Jordan was trying that game, but, but Jordan's not. The, the, the legitimate winner was Scalise, right? He was. He was. And, and, and let me tell you, you know, a lot of people, because Jordan went to Scalise and asked for some help uh, in releasing the people who are still voting for Scalise. But come on, let's be honest now. Jim Jordan did not go, uh, pun intended, to the mat for uh, Steve Scalise. He said, I'll give him a nominating speech, but he was not telling his guys to back down. And this, you know, this, uh, whoever, whoever they end up with, I, I just think this is going to be so scarring for House Republicans uh, for, for potentially months and, and potentially years uh, to come. It's, it's just something that's very hard. And, and on, on the Senate side, you know, the Senate map is very friendly. Uh, Democrats really probably can't win any seats um, they just have to worry about defending, and they've got some tough races in in red states like Montana and West Virginia and Ohio. Uh, and of course, Senate Republicans think that House Republicans are just blowing this. And and going back to to Jordan, you know, Jordan has spent his a lot of his career just ripping appropriations and appropriators. And not surprisingly, a lot of the appropriators are not voting for Jordan, and they they don't want him in. So. I don't think Kevin McCarthy can can be the speaker again, but they're going to have to find somebody else. And and just the longer this goes, the longer it's just a a distraction of, again, Republicans shooting themselves in in the foot. Yeah, well, I I do think also, look, as this plays out, the question is, is the Republican Party run by, quote, MAGA Republicans, which is which is really a problem for them? Or is it a governing party that has a better outlook on spending, on getting to a balanced budget, on on controlling the economy, and to the extent that they're they, they're they're seen as the second, and even though many of the more right wing, what they want to do primarily is to cut expenditures. That's not what comes through. What comes through is a hysterical right wing group bent on taking power no matter what. And the country says, "I don't want to give power to those folks. I don't want Matt Gates running things." Right. Uh, and so they're hurting their own. They're they're hurting their own cause in everything that they've done, and it's pretty it's pretty clear from the polling that that's what they've done. So, I don't know how many Christmas presents the, the Republican Party can send to Democrats, but they are they certainly are <laughs> going down the shopping list. <laughs> well, any uh, uh, great data this month? Any any uh, any closing thoughts? Any uh, questions? That well, didn't ask again, I just come back to Israel that that the strength of support here. You know, the 80, the 86, you know, part of the in, interesting thing here is not just the support for Israel, but, you know, we have this, we have this question, I think it's 86 to, uh, uh, is it 13? Do you think it's true that Hamas terrorists killed 1,200 Israeli civilians by shooting them, raping them, beheading people, including whole families and kids? Or is it a false story? Now, 17% say that it is a false story. So when you look to like, of course, and, and if you look at it among 13 and 34 and below, 27% believe it's a false story. Th- that tells you the power of Hamas's communications, of people's uh, unwillingness to, to stand up to the truth, uh, of them willing to reject the truth in favor of ideology or position. Uh, and it also tells you, you know, our, our institutions of higher learning are, are really, I think, indicted uh, by, by the numbers that come out here, because a lot of the views that people have are based on holding on to completely false facts. Um, 
that's troubling. Those uh, that I mean, that's really astounding that that people aren't believing what they what they're seeing. At the same time, I know in this age of AI, you always have to be uh, cognizant of uh, is this real? But this is real, and an amazing uh, amount of people don't think it's real. That's that's incredible, right? And those people who don't think it's real say, "Hey, I'm with Hamas." Well, of course they're with Hamas because they don't think Hamas is a terrorist group that just committed these acts. Um, and so yep. we have to do a better job on some of these things. And we have to, you know, this is, again, this is the most educated generation in history. And so how could the most gen educated generation in history be the least informed generation in history? And, and I think that's the paradox of us having gone from about a third going to college to now almost two thirds or more who go to college. We haven't made them smarter and shrewder. I think this 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 information that by the time you get to the, the the rocket attack, the the rocket attack on the hospital, again, same groups of people don't believe, you know, the facts and information. You, you know, it's, it's about double, you know, about 30, 30, about a third that don't believe that think Israel dropped it, no matter how much evidence really comes out to the contrary. Nevertheless, I would not, I would come back to, you look through this poll, and we're, we're going to get it out, you know, there's 84% uh, who side more with Israel, 16% who side more with Hamas. And so, you know, let's not underestimate here, that even though that, that group that sides with Hamas, A, they have a lot of misinformation, B, they're primarily, you know, college kids and under 34. Um, and, and C, they're really actually a relatively small group uh, who make a lot of noise and they get extraordinary amount of coverage because <laughs> uh, I think the media likes to cover, you know, who, whoever, you know, whatever demonstration there is almost to, to, to point them out or show the controversy. And the, the silent majority here isn't just a majority. It's it's really 85 plus percent. Well, I know you'll be on top of it because this will be uh, an issue. You're, you'll you'll be polling for the, the next year plus, uh, and it'll be interesting to see where these numbers go as, as Israel retaliates. Mark, another great set of data, and we look forward to next month. Thank you, Bob.